1: You're listening to The Fix with Ryan Rothstein live from the Prop Swap Studios of AM 1490 Sports Betting Radio. Prop Swap that ticket and cash in while the odds have improved. Once again, here's Ryan. All right, almost 10:30, so it's almost time for Johnny Mac to join the conversation. Hope everyone had a great holiday. If you missed the show, Last night, we were back in the Prop Swap Studios on the fix after taking Thursday and Friday off uh, last week. And, man, last week was fun. Just from the sports perspective, obviously, the betting perspective, there was so much to bet on. There was so much happening from Thursday all the way up until Sunday, Monday, um, with the Eagles game really capping the weekend off. And what an awesome, entertaining way to cap the weekend off. Just watching Nate Sudfeld, Really look like a chicken without a head out there. It was an absolute, an absolute debacle. Uh, And we talked about that last night with John. So plenty more to still get into here tonight. Talking Eagles. Talking NFL wildcard weekend. Uh, What's next for the team? All of that good stuff. We got you We got you squared away. Um, we're going to talk some more NBA, of course, later in the show. We're going to talk college football. There's really a lot to get to. Phone lines are going to be open in the second hour, 609-601-3290. 609-601-3290. But we still have, you know, the Heisman. Ceremony, I guess you can call it this year, um, was earlier tonight. Devontae Smith taking home the Heisman. And with that being said, I'll get John's thoughts. Now that the NFL regular season has officially come to a close, I'll get John's thoughts on Coach of the Year, MVP, Comeback Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year. We talked a little bit about that with John last week around this time but we'll try and get a little bit more into that. Um, John wrote a great article on SI.com regarding Carson Wentz. So let's bring John into the conversation now, Uh, host of Extending the Play, every Saturday right here on AM 1490 from 10 a.m. to 11. SI.com and phillyvoice.com is where you can find all of John's written work. All right, John, it's day two here, night two on the fix after the Sunday debacle the Eagles season officially done getting ready for Wild Card weekend, but we still have plenty of Eagles to talk about. So, uh, let's try and get to it. What do you say?
2: Yeah. I mean, this team is something else and it never stops. Uh, I mentioned the off season is going to be more interesting, um, than the actual season. And boy, Miles Sanders kicked it in today, <laughs> uh, talking with the Philadelphia area radio station and, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty um honest about I, I you know, I, I didn't think it was that big of a deal what the Eagles did on, on, on Sunday night. It's been done many times in the NFL. I mentioned it uh yesterday on the show and it's gonna be done many times in the future. But you know, then when you have uh, your star running back, um say nobody liked the decision. Um and kind of throw the coach under the bus. It it adds a a <laughs> new wrinkle on things. I will say that
1: communication. It's one of the most important things in any organization. And the report. You asked Jalen Hurts. We talked about this, right? You asked Jalen if he knew yeah. about Nate Sutfeld, and he said he was aware that Nate was going to enter the game at some point. I'm paraphrasing, and. I just don't understand how Doug or Howie or whoever wants to step in front of the team in the locker room and say, listen, uh, we need to let you know now that this is our plan. Sorry, not sorry. And this is how we're handling it with the media moving forward because there could be some, some negative opinions out there or however they want to phrase it. Like, how do they not go about it that way, John? Well,
2: I'm not sure they didn't. Everybody was kind of aware. I mean, I was aware that Nate was supposed to play. (laughs) Um, Behind the scenes, Doug had told uh, certainly some of the television stations and his uh, uh, pregame stuff with them um, that Nate was going to be in the game at at a certain point. Um, As I mentioned, Jalen knew he was coming into the game. Brandon Graham, we talked to him yesterday a clean-out day. He said he knew it. Um, So, I I mean, when it comes to Miles, look, he was inactive. Maybe he wasn't as involved as usual uh, with game planning because he was not part of the game plan. Uh, It is a strange season with all the virtual stuff and all the Zoom stuff. Um, So, you know, maybe everybody uh, on the roster wasn't involved. As far as the players on the field, I, I think it had more to do with in-game. I, I think when the game was as close as it was, I, I think that created the issue. You know, you had the NBC cameras um, catching Jalen Hurts saying, uh, this isn't right, mounting it on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to me, that's about he's a competitor. That's what he mm-hmm. said. He Didn't like leaving, didn't want to leave, Um You know, everybody's talked about him. The one thing they say about him is he's a leader, he's a winner. Uh, He wanted to continue to play, but he he admitted he knew. So I I think that's the disconnect there. Um, I think Jason Kelsey uh, was more about, look, we're in this game. Let's try to win this game. Um, and, And then the defensive players... I, I don't know. I, I, to be honest, I, I, I can't explain that. I yeah. mean, how does Brandon Graham know? And there's at least two anonymous defensive players that don't know. I, I, I don't know how that's possible.
1: It's nuts. And listen, Brandon Graham. There's guys. I'm sure they're they're chatting with the coaches more than others. Like Brandon Graham is a vet. He's a staple in that locker room. So I'm sure he, you know rub shoulders with Doug more than the the backup or whoever the guy is that doesn't get playing time. The the point is though that there was just such a disconnect with this story that my biggest takeaway is it just sums up the season and the team the team's entire year perfectly.
2: Yeah, it does. I, I mean obviously and you go way back uh to the preseason when things finally got rolling. And I mentioned it's going to be a giant stress test for for teams in this league. Uh, the environment, um, I think the Eagles failed it. I think they failed it miserably, right up until the very end, and right up into all of this. You know, I, I think for the most part, you see what's going on in Cleveland. I, I think the actual protocols, and um, I think they were good with that kind of stuff. But as far as handling, um, how to prepare in this type of environment, I think they failed. I think it's fair to say that. Howie Roseman admitted that. I think they failed. And most of us, including me, thought they would have the advantage in the NFC East with the lone returning head coach. Mm-hmm. And there were some coaching changes, obviously, but the vast majority of the coaching staff was back. It didn't turn out to be advantage. They, they, to be an advantage, they they handled it very poorly, and I think that's what it's about.
1: Another report that has surfaced is, of course, regarding Carson Wentz, and this is from Rob Motti saying that Carson Wentz needs time away to think about his future with the Eagles, and you know, hopefully, it's not going to end in a divorce and. For, to me, John, and you're going to add to this and fill us in, but to me it's just Carson's agent playing the game and doing his job. I mean, he, he does the dirty work so the player doesn't have to. And, you know, that report that came out right before the game, I take it, that's directly from the agent. And then Carson, of course, that's him speaking in the Rob Motte report. What can you add to that?
2: You're exactly correct. That's exactly what it is. Um <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest, as I typically am. Um, yeah, obviously the agents um, sort of run things, and, and their job is to create value and, and create the best situation uh, for their client. So they go about things one way. Um, uh, Rob is a is a good friend of mine. Rob is very religious. Uh, Carson is very religious. Like. They live in the same town. They go to the same church. Um, So that tells you uh, all you need to know from that perspective. Um, It's, you know, the hurdles, and I've said this from from the beginning, make it more likely than not um, that Carson is going to be back next season with the Eagles. Um, You see the sliver uh, of the door open to that. I think it's much more than a sliver because of those difficulties. Um, But the agents are going to investigate every possibility. I I do think that Carson would not be upset um, if he were traded. But it's so difficult uh, to get a trade because the Eagles not only are going to have a tough time swallowing that that dead money, they're also – Not going to give him away. And right now, because of the season he had and because he hasn't played in a month, um, his value is not high. So, you know, when you, I talked about the dead money a lot, but um, the second part is um, the value and and what would return. And, you know, the Eagles don't want to give him up for third-round pick. Uh, they just don't want to do that. So there's so many hurdles.
1: What, you know, I bring up the agent and, and that whole dynamic. What what leverage does the agent even have? Because I'm putting on my agent hat, and I'm saying, all right, I'm Carson's agent. Uh, Carson's a great guy. He likes Philly. He's frustrated at the situation, but he doesn't want to ruffle, ruffle any feathers, so I have to. But everything that you bring up, and we've talked about at Great lengths already, like, I don't know how I get this done if I'm his agent. Like, I'm not going to just storm into Howie and Lori's, uh office and say he needs to be traded. It doesn't seem that simple. So what leverage does the agent have, if at all, to make something happen? Uh,
2: the only leverage they have is to create an environment, sort uh, of if you want to use this off season. Um Stefan Diggs being the most notable, uh, probably high profile guy to, to force a trade. Um, You force a trade by being a horses, you know what? And I I don't think Carson's going to do that. I've said that pretty consistently, Uh, but you know, at at some point, you know, I, I think it has more to do with the Eagles evaluation of the player uh, if they think Carson's too far gone, then it becomes a a, a a bigger conversation from the Eagles' standpoint. If they think they can't rebuild them, then it becomes they're in they're in cahoots together to sort of build up whatever value you can uh, and get as much as you can back, sort of like Andy Reid. Did way back in the day with Donovan McNabb when he kind of knew he was done, and people said, "Oh, you're trading him in the division." Well, Andy kind of knew he wasn't—he wasn't Donovan McNabb anymore. Um, so the Eagles evaluate the player and say, "You know what? It's too far gone. We're not. We can't. We can't salvage this." Then I think you start heading in that direction, and again, you you sort of become tag team partners at that point to try to get him a second opportunity somewhere else.
1: That's an interesting road we can go down for a second because all right, the dead money. They don't wanna they don't wanna get rid of him right now in a trade. But what if they trot him back out there for week one next year and the first two, three, four, five games identical to his play this year his value is going to continue to plummet so that has to be a conversation if you're Jeffrey Laurie and Howie Roseman as well I mean they can say it's an open competition in camp you know what you're going to see with these guys with red red jerseys and shorts on like you can't evaluate in that setting anymore so I think that could be a fear of the organization at this point that's far away but that has to be a fear right
2: yeah, I, I, I think it's a mess because I, I do think you're right. I, I think, you know, it, it, if it does move forward, uh, I, I think it's going to be a clear delineation. They might say it's a competition, but really it's going to be Carson uh, having to lose the job uh, more than those two battling each other. And you bring up a good point. I mean, it, it, if it's week one and he's not playing well, it's going to start immediately. Yep. I mean, immediately. I, I I mentioned it when they drafted Jalen hurts and I (laughs) never imagined, uh, it could happen as quickly as it did. But I said, you know, if there's any adversity because of who he is, because of what he was at the college level and because the casual fan knew him from Alabama and Oklahoma, um, Second, the Heisman Trophy race, all the winning, um, all of that. There was going to be calls for Jalen Hurts. Uh, that's just the nature of this industry. And now, yeah, I mean, it would be much quicker this time around. So, all of these things are 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 sort of thrown into the hopper. It's one of the many many reasons they shouldn't have drafted Jalen Hurts and. Who knows what happens in that instance? And and it's not about J.K. Dobbins. It's not about Jeremy Chin, the two players they were considering at that position. Besides Jalen, who who would have helped this team in other ways, but it is about the psyche of Carson Wentz. And I I don't. Nobody can say how that would have impacted, uh, how this impacted him negatively, or how it would have uh, impacted him positively. Nobody knows.
1: And don't you think, like, okay, let's get ready for the offseason now if if we're Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie. And we need to to evaluate talent for the draft. We need to look at free agents. We need to look at potential trades. Aren't you going about, quote-unquote, building this team two completely different ways if one choice is Carson as the starter and the other is Jalen Hurts as the starter – like so, that alone, I feel like impacts the off season and how they go about retooling the the entire roster.
2: Well, normally I, I would say yes, and people have brought this up, and, and and because typically, and what you want in this league, and it's shown in, in recent years, in recent seasons, under the current uh, sort of monetary setup, the best case scenario is to hit on a young quarterback who becomes a star. Early in his career, and you have that short window uh, where you can build up a, a, a deep roster um, while you don't have to pay the quarterback a lot of money. And Russell Wilson, probably the most notable example, as a third round pick, it was really cheap for the Seahawks uh, throughout his first contract. And they built the deepest team in football. And, and that was a big help to that. And people say, well, Jalen Hurts obviously doesn't make a lot of money as a second-round pick, which is true. But remember, you still have the albatross uh, of Carson Wentz, so it's not like you can um, just say, oh, we have a cheap quarterback. Well, no, you have a really expensive backup and or uh, a really expensive guy you're going to essentially pay $34 million to play, to su- play somewhere else uh if he doesn't play here. So I, I, it's not a, a typical setup and, and they're so up against it from a salary cap standpoint. And they've already started trying to clean up with the restructures, of Malik Jackson and all Sean Jeffrey. And by the way, that was a clear indication that those two are not going to be back. Not that it's any surprise, but uh, just sort of bookkeeping uh, to give them some extra money and, um, and that's what Howie's good at. Uh, and they'll get the financial house in order. As I said, there's no other option. you got to get under the cap. But they're not going to be big players in free agency this year. It's just not possible. It's not possible.
1: Is there any chance that Zach Ertz is still in Philly next year?
2: I, I don't think so. I, I Howie basically admitted, and I asked him that question about Zach, and he went into some convoluted money ball. I don't know if you heard that. Yeah, I did. Uh, he's talking about Moneyball being a bad cop. <laughs> uh, that's me as saying, uh, you know, he's moving on. And, I, you know, I, to be honest, I, I think that's the right decision uh, because you do have Dallas Goddard. He is much cheaper. Uh, and Zach is coming off. This is obviously his worst season now. I think the contract and, and – that weighed on him heavily, so that had a lot to do with it. Um, but, you know, there's in, in pro sports, there's different guys. And, you know, sometimes when somebody is that big to your franchise, not only on the field but off the field, you shouldn't be playing the bad cop. So right. that's a really tough decision. It really is. And that's where it's no fun being a general manager when you got to move on from uh, a player like that. But I think it's pretty clear the Eagles are going to move on.
1: Yeah, I don't really agree with them moving on, and I completely understand why, and I don't disagree with the the reasons behind it. I I I get it, but it's like, all right, you you have a guy, and I know this year was rough for Zach on the field, but you you have a top three tight end. You have a guy that means a lot to the team on and off it. Like you said, like what – we're playing a little bit too much money ball at times. And I think in this situation, you have an asset, you have an elite player at a position, keep them, like, like, keep them. You're going to eventually have to pay guys that I I, I don't know. I I get both sides of it, but that's just kind of how I feel. Maybe my heart's too involved.
2: And that's, that's kind of where I am uh, in, in wrestling with Zach Ertz as well, because sometimes you do, I, I always argued in baseball, um, Heartlands, when you were talking about Derek Jeter at the end of his career, mm-hmm. um, players like that, I mean, the Yankees were going to pay him just till the bitter end. Obviously, he wasn't the player he, he once was, but they were going to pay him. Yeah. They had to pay him. Um, now, I don't know. The attack is not at that level, but it, it's, it's kind of similar. Um, and... I, he does I think he's still a good player he didn't have a good season but I think that was because of the issues off the field and his um you know I and i, I by the way I think that kind of aided him as well because I think he was angry at the organization and that's not his personality and I think that affected him as well mm. um, so i I think they contributed to that and then there's also and I, I always go back and this is taking another step. Sometimes you want to send a message to the locker room and say, you know, okay, this guy played with a lacerated kidney and with broken ribs in the playoffs because we needed him. And sometimes you want to reward that. Right. Uh, And and that's what I said early this season. I said, you have to reward that. Now, in hindsight, he didn't play well. But, again, there's a lot of other – things that went into that um but now that we've gone through all that and and you're forward fast forward through another season i think the right football decision at least is to move on the other stuff it's very fair to bring it up it's very fair because he's been you know one of the biggest surprises i Harold Carmichael is still the leading uh, receiver in Eagles history. I mean, everybody thought Zach would break his record if he'd have a typical Zach Ertz year. Uh, didn't happen, but that's the kind of player he is. Yeah. Um, he would have been number one. At worst, he's going to be number two in this franchise's history. Uh, you have the Super Bowl stuff, the fourth down, the touchdown. I mean, this guy's going to be in the, the, the Eagles Hall of Fame, and Sometimes you
1: gotta honor that yeah it's if he it is what it is, it's a business, but if he played out his entire career in Philadelphia, he's still going to go down like you said, as one of the greats, but it would be on steroids if he played another six, seven year whatever the the case would be. if he finished out his career in Philly, I mean he would go down as like statue worthy uh before we tore it down, but you know that that's where he would be.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, he would he would set the record so far that nobody could have reached it. <laughs> maybe yeah. uh, if he if he held on for another six or seven years, uh, you know, put up maybe Jason Witten type numbers, maybe we'd be talking about him then in the in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but. Um, is what it is. You know, the Eagles, like everybody else in this league, the Eagles want more receivers on the field. That's what it comes down to. Uh, and they want to play less uh, 12 personnel. They want to get away from that. And you just don't need two good tight ends. It's nice to have, but in a lot of ways, I think they look at it as a, as a little bit of an obstacle. Um, it, it's like... It, 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 in some ways, it's similar to having a great running back. Whether you look at Derrick Henry or or Dalvin Cook, and you look at these run-first teams, and I always say, look, those guys are great players. I mean, they're great players. But the modern NFL environment—it's so difficult to win by being a run-first team. You got to get the lead. You got to play from the lead. You can't get behind by two scores. You can't start throwing the football all over and take away from what you do best. It's just difficult. Same way with two tight ends versus having all the receivers on the field. Uh, It becomes 13, 14 play drives instead of big explosive plays down the field. It just makes the margin of error smaller. And I think the Eagles are right in thinking that way. But... You know, they can't find receivers. <laughs> you know, yeah, they draft Hale. J.J., he's not good. They draft Jalen, he's not good. They can't find receivers. And I laugh when people talk about John Hightower and <laughs> Quez Watkins. Did anybody watch those guys play?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's ugly. All right, so you, you mentioned the receivers and how they failed. Well, we just saw Sunday night they're tanking for six. The number six overall pick, I'm not going to ask you to pick a name in particular, but what's the direction that this team should go with that pick?
2: Yeah, I mean, when you're that high, you just take the best player left on the board. And that's, you know, from the Eagles standpoint, the only way you get off of that is if you say, okay, we have so many holes that maybe it's better to trade back a few spots and add extra picks and try to fill a, a, a number of holes. Um, but I just talked about it. I mean, typically, if you take a wide receiver in the second round and then take a wide receiver in the first round, you're not going to take another wide receiver in the first round. But bottom line is the first two haven't worked out. So, it, it's you know, there's going to be three receivers there. One of them just won the Heisman Trophy tonight. Um, yeah, I mean, they might have to take another. And this time, it's going to be a really, really significant talent, far greater, uh, obviously than, than Jalen Rager or, or JJ or take a So yeah, it's going to be in the conversation. I, I mean, they just have to, uh, take the best player If the best player is a quarterback. They might even have to take a quarterback Dare Say that, oh, my and make a decision about Carson Wentz, but you know, let's say it, it's not going to happen, but, um, Obviously, Trevor's going to go first. Um, Zach Wilson is probably uh, number two in, as far as uh, NFL scouts' minds ahead of Justin Fields. But say if Justin Fields falls to six, I don't know. You got to think about it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you do. I mean, the the city would would explode.
2: Well, no. I, but but while I say that, you you at that point you would have already made the decision. The Eagles have right. to make the decision early in the league year, whether they're moving forward with Carson Wentz. Uh, So it will be abundantly clear by the time the draft rolls rolls around. Look, if Carson's here and Jalen's here, they're not going to take a quarterback. Worst comes to worst, as I said, they'll trade out of that spot. Um, But, you know, they're not going to – I will say this, if they trade Carson Wentz, uh, if they decide – As I said, he's not salvageable. We can't do anything anymore with him. They're not going to just say, hey, it's your job, Jalen Hurts. Have you seen him play (laughs) the last three games?
1: Yeah, Yeah, there's a lot of unknown. Um, All right, John, before we let you go, your thoughts on the Browns' current situation and how it could impact this weekend?
2: Yeah, it's awful. I, I mean, that team has been waiting so long to be back in the playoffs. And Kevin Stefanski, obviously, Philly guy, his father used to be the GM of the Sixers. Um, I, I, I mean, he gets in the playoffs, uh, such a great story. Then you have a great player, great offensive lineman like Joel Batonio who's been waiting so long and, and playing great on bad teams. It it's just terrible. I've talked about this all year. I, I don't like you know, Kevin's asymptomatic. I I don't like the way the NFL has handled this, but that's the way they've handled it. And they're gonna do the same thing in the playoffs. So if you think about it when we all say Kansas City so good, Aaron Rodgers at the MVP, you know, what if it comes to the AFC NFC championship game and one and those you know, Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers that's positive. It's it's a crazy, crazy season. But the NFL is going to go forward.
1: We'll talk a little bit more about that tomorrow because we're, uh, we're short on time here with only a minute or so left. But, yeah, like that's what I want to ask you tomorrow is uh, what if they play this game as scheduled without Stefanski and then what you just said happens where Mahomes tests positive. Like they're going to want to move that game, I would imagine – uh, I'm referencing the. No, the, the they're Mahomes. not moving it, no? I, and I
2: believe them. And they said this consistently: they are not okay. moving games because of competitive advantage, competitive disadvantage. O- only health. They set up the protocols. It's you know, if you're symptomatic, uh, you're out. Uh, I mean, and that's Patrick Mahomes, or the 53rd guy on the roster, and that's that's the way they've gone about it, and. They're going to continue to go about it that way.
1: We'll get more from John uh, tomorrow night at 1030, same time, and every night the rest of the week. uh, NFL wild card and plenty of Eagles uh, talk each and every night. It doesn't slow down. If anything, like John said, it amps up. Follow John on Twitter at JFMcMullen, PhillyVoice.com, SI.com, and host of Extending the Play every Saturday on 1490. All right, John, appreciate it, man. Hey, thank you, Ryan. Yep, thank you. Uh, great stuff from John. As always, the Ertz story and, you know, the, the multiple different stories coming out today, Miles Sanders on Philly Radio saying how much the locker room hated the decision to put in Nate at the time that they did, and then Rob Motti's report that Carson needs time to think after the report that he wants to get traded. There's just so much happening with this team. Um and we'll be talking about it every night. All right, one hour down, just like that on The Fix. When we come back, we want to get into the NFL wildcard weekend. Stick around.
0: Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but MiniHealth understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
1: Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code program.